Today, the topic of my message is this. It is the greatest invitation ever. Before I get started, um, you know, we, we were going to have the Women's Clinic of Columbus here, and we were really excited to have them. Unfortunately, they weren't able to be here. There's a doctor that they serve with and work with that passed away, and uh, it's difficult to have someone come and present when they're grieving, and we're not, uh, we don't want to put that on them, and so uh, we will hopefully have them in another day, but we're pleased to have Calvin Hauser, our missionary to the Philippines. Calvin, we're glad you're here with us. You guys all got your Bible? Everyone in the balcony, you ready today? All right, everyone in the balcony, they're here, good. I learned a while ago that I had kind of an issue that I had never even heard about before. It's kind of a new agey thing, it's a new term. Um, It's a term called FOMO. How many of you have ever heard that before? F-O-M-O, how many of you have never heard of that before? It's not a disease. It's not a sickness, okay? Here's what it is. FOMO, F-O-M-O, stands for the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out, it is a feeling or perception that others are having more fun, that others are living better lives or experiencing better things than you are. Let me explain. When you... Spend some time, those of you that are always on your cell phone, when you spend some time away from social media and you just feel like, ah, I've got to check my phone or else I'm missing out. Or when it comes to this, um, how many of you love to get invited to a party, get invited over for dinner? Anybody like invites? All right, we all like to be invited. Um, when, when my wife and I, when we were a bit younger without kids, um, and we didn't have, we had like this free schedule. You know, when you have kids, it's not the same uh, when it was when you didn't have kids. And we had this free schedule. I remember we were young in ministry. And when there would be something going on and we didn't get invited to it, I would feel like I was missing something. Like, why are they having all this fun? And they left us out. Why didn't we get invited to this? Um, this idea of invitation, this fear of missing something going on. Uh, in my life, I have not had the privilege to uh, get invited to see the president. Never, never had that invitation. I've never been invited to meet a congressperson or some other famous dignitary. Um, in school growing up, I did get invited to the principal's office. I, I did get invited to the dean's office in college. Uh, so I had some great invitations. There was one time uh, something I did earned me uh, a wonderful invitation. Um, when a few Christmases, probably like four or five years ago, I got this awesome gift. It was a set of pajamas. And it was, uh, you're, you're waiting for a picture. It's not coming. Um, a set of pajamas. It was a onesie set of pajamas. You understand a onesie, right? You put babies in them. It's like, you know, button it up and all that weird stuff. You button it up. This was a zip-up onesie, but it was a Superman costume onesie. And um, I wore this, and I was like super dad, you know, playing with my kids and having fun. Well, I posted a picture of myself on social media. So if you go through my timeline, you could probably find it. Do that after church. Um, But I, I posted this photo of myself in my Superman onesie. 
I, I was so confident back then, uh, maybe not so much now, but I had a friend that was uh, a missionary to the Czech Republic, and the, this friend saw my photo of my Superman onesie, and he said, hey, that's my friend. He's a pastor, and uh, they were planning for a week-long teen camp there in the Czech Republic, and lo and behold, it was superhero-themed, and uh, he saw me. He saw my Superman onesie, and he invited me to go to the Czech Republic. Yes! Onesie for the win, right? That's awesome. Uh, so I got this invitation. That's like the best invitation I ever got. And I got to go see Prague, and I got to go see all this cool stuff. Then I got to speak to the teens there. I love getting invited to things. Um, as we're a little bit older, though, um, you know, I, I love to get invited still. I probably will just say no because <laughs> I feel busy or like you just got stuff going on. There's birthday parties, dinners, best thing, all-you-can-eat sushi. Anybody with me on that invitation? Amen. Amen. Listen, um, there's this thing called the fear of missing out when we're missing an invitation or, or not being able to do something. Here's where I want to go with this today. There is an invitation in life that is way more important than any birthday party, way more important than any wedding, way more important than a chance to speak in the Czech Republic, way more important than dinner at the best sushi restaurant in town. Uh, in the passage that we're going to study today in Matthew chapter 4, <clears throat> Jesus extends an invitation to these men that were fishers some brand new disciples, and he calls them to follow him. The greatest invitation you will ever receive is the invitation to follow Jesus with your life. Jesus invites you into his work, and it's a privilege to serve him. Now, if you choose to live for yourself instead of living for Jesus, you'll miss out on the best that your life could be. Let's pray and we'll get into the passage. Father, I just come to you today asking for your help. Lord, I pray for every person that's watching online. I pray for every person listening here today. You know where they are. You know, God, exactly what they need. If somebody in here today, Lord, doesn't know you as their Savior, they've never met you, they've never began a relationship with you, I pray today they do that. Lord, I pray for our church family that wherever they find themselves in life, that we would all reflect today on your calling in our life, what you've asked us to do. Lord, please help us to understand this great invitation you give us. And I pray that you'd meet with us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm going to take a drink of water. All right. Matthew chapter 4. Let's start in verse number 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon and Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, 
in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. When we think about this great invitation, we need to change our perspective. Here, here's why. We, we get it wrong sometimes. We think that um, Jesus needs us when he's calling us. The truth is we need him. Jesus is the initiator. Uh, see, when Jesus came into this situation here, he already had decided of his own will that he was going to leave heaven, come to earth as a human, die for our sins. And as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, whether he made the decision at that point or another point, he said, I see these two men. I'm going to invite them to participate in what I'm doing. See, we get it wrong sometimes. We think that we have to serve Jesus or it's an obligation. The truth I want you to see today is that Jesus is going to accomplish his mission in the world with or without us. His invitation to follow him is giving us an opportunity. <clears throat> Following Jesus is a privilege, not a duty. Do you understand? It's an opportunity, not an obligation. It's something that we get to do, not something that we have to do. You follow me? It's something you get to do. It's a privilege. Jesus is going to do his will. And if you want in, he says, I'm going to invite you in. But if you want out, you're going to be out. He, he gives us this opportunity. And I asked myself as I, as I was reading this, I said, why in the world did Jesus stop and talk to these guys? I mean, it's, I understand he's walking by the sea. That's a good thing to do. I would probably go walk by the sea. How many of you like walking along the beach? You go on vacation, we all flock to the beaches. We like walking along the beach. Well, he's walking along. He sees these fishermen. Why did he talk to them? Out of everyone else, he picked these men. See, the thing is, Jesus saw potential in these two men. Before we get started, I want to talk about a few lies that we often tell ourselves. <clears throat> when it comes to this conversation of serving Jesus, following him, being used in ministry, helping reach people, becoming fishers of men, however you want to say it, a lot of times we tell ourselves, I don't have anything to offer. Jesus, he'll use Pastor Chris or Pastor Tony or Calvin in the Philippines and his family, but he won't use me. We, we tell ourselves that we're too sinful. We don't have skills or qualifications. Those are all lies. See, the truth is, Jesus sees past who we are, and he looks at who we can become. When Jesus saw these men, he, he saw what they were, and he accepted them as they were, and he made them what he wanted them to be, fishers of men. Jesus sees our sinful past, he sees our sinful present, and he still desires us. If you were here this past Wednesday or uh, last Sunday, you got to hear from Sarah Widener. She's one of our missionaries we're sending to Romania. She's going to Romania for one year. Uh, Sarah said something that stood out to me as she shared her testimony, that in Romania, there's a group of people that are unwanted. They're outcasts in society, but she was excited to go tell them about somebody who wants them. 
There is a God who wants them, and there's a God who wants you. You don't get to decide if he wants you or not. He does want you. As, as, as often as you tell yourself that you're not good enough, that you can't be used, that you have nothing to offer, he says those are all lies, and there is potential in your life, and he can use it. Jesus was inviting these men into a new relationship, <clears throat> a friendship, a new life partnership with himself. We are going to make it through this message together. See, Missions Month is an opportunity. Uh, here's, here's what we do at church. How many of you just kind of rush through the week? You feel rushed and busy? Anybody rushed and busy? Somebody says, hey, how are you? Busy. I'm busy. We're rushed. We're, we're, we have too much going on. When you come here on Sunday morning, and what we're trying to do with missions is we want to give you a little space to stop and pause and focus on what God wants to do in your life. This is a window of opportunity, and these men here had a window of opportunity. It was like a fork in the road where you come and you've got to go right or you've got to go left, but you have to choose. And I, I, I want to extend this invitation and describe it to you today, what Jesus is inviting us to, what it means to follow him. See, Missions Month is an opportunity, and Jesus is a God of possibility and potential. You say, I could never go and be a missionary in the Philippines. I could never start a ministry to help the homeless. I could never go to Romania. I could, no, no, no. God can do whatever he wants to do with you. It's just whether or not you want to say, yes, Jesus, I'll follow. See, I know that in a message like today and over the coming weeks, we're going to bring to you what God says and the truth. Well, all I want you to do is to respond to it. That's what we do. We come to the truth. We open up our Bible. We see what it says. And if he's speaking to you, see, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. I know that as we read these things about Jesus saying, follow me, that the Holy Spirit begins to speak individually to you. And he's going to lay burdens on your heart, whether that's a, a passion uh, to serve a certain group of people, whether that's an idea that you just can't get away from and you're wrestling with, or whether that's you hear about a need in the Philippines or in the Romania or something else you hear about and you say, that's for me. But God is going to speak to you He's going to be calling you, and my challenge is just for you to simply answer. This morning, I want to look at three parts to this invitation. Three parts. Let's look in verse 19. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway, it means immediately, left their nets and followed him. This first part of the invitation, it's an invitation to make a move. Make a move. Jesus was calling these disciples to something new, to do something different. He was inviting them to a purpose that was larger than the career path that they had chosen and their current status of life. See, for these guys, it was a career move. These men were fishers by profession. When Jesus invited them to follow him, he was inviting them to make a career change. 
Do you know these men, they spent a large portion of their life. You saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They grew up in the fishing business. They learned it. They were proficient at it. They had skills that they had taken time to acquire. They spent a good portion of their life working toward a goal. But God often calls people to follow his will that causes them to change direction and change course. It may change their career path. I want to tell you this morning that God calls pastors, evangelists, missionaries, ministry leaders. He calls them out of every different type of company in the whole wide world. Every different profession, God is calling people out of that toward full-time ministry. And he may be calling you. Out of these disciples, many of them were fishermen, Andrew, Peter, James, John, possibly Thomas, Nathaniel, and Philip. We don't know. We have uh, Matthew. He worked for the IRS. He was a tax collector. We have Simon the Zealot. He was a politician. That's what we know about him. He worked in politics. Um, How many of you ever heard this term, the great resignation? Have you heard that recently? We, we, let me explain it to you. So uh, if, you, if you get online, search the Great Resignation. Right now in our country, there's this uh, second pandemic that every single business is hiring. You've seen all the signs. You've been in places and you go to Walmart to get your oil changed and they're closed because they don't have enough workers, right? What's happening is with COVID, <clears throat> they say that because COVID changed so much of our lives, sent us home from work, uh, many of us went to homeschooling our kids. <clears throat> School changed. Our friendships changed. The ministries we serve in changed. Everything changed. What it has done is it has caused people to reevaluate not just their work and their school, but every part of their life. Why they're doing what they're doing. And it's affecting companies, and they call it the great resignation, where people are jumping ship from one career to the next. And I tell you this to say, That sometimes God brings you to this point of opportunity in your life and you have the freedom of choice. When I was in college, uh, college is a great period of time. Uh, How many of you in here are in college currently? You're in college, raise your hand. All right, how many of you are just out of high school? You're out of high school, raise your hand. Uh, Just out of high school. Some of you are like, man, I've had my 30-year reunion. I've had my 50-year reunion. Okay, listen, when I was in college, uh, it was a special opportunity. I started off college as a criminal justice major. I was going to go and be a police officer. I thought I was going to be a detective. Yeah, Detective Andrews, right? On the beat. I don't know what that means, but they're out there doing something, solving crimes and stuff. And I was going to be a police officer. I knew that's what I was going to do until they told me in my criminal justice 101 class, (laughs) I didn't get very far, that... um, when you start off at a police department, you have to work third shift oftentimes. You get the worst shift out of everybody. And I said, that's not for me. I'm not going to do that. And so I jumped ship and I changed to computer information systems. That's like working with technology, right? And I'm kind of a tech geek, a tech guru. I know how to do all that stuff. Uh, it's easy for me. It's always come easy for me. I thought, I could do this. This is fine. I'm going to program at my keyboard or I don't know what I was going to do, but I was going to do something in that field. Well, over the course of a year in college, 
uh, I began to get involved in the church that was there. I began to read my Bible, and uh, there was a burden that was developing in me. God was clearly speaking to me about a need in the world that there were people that didn't grow up in church. There were people that didn't know about heaven and hell, didn't know about Jesus and what he had offered to them in salvation. And um, it, came, it became clear to me that I had this opportunity that college provided me that I, I could choose the direction of the rest of my life in college. And I, I want you all to listen to this, those of you that have some freedom and flexibility. And even right now during this time of the, the great resignation, many of you have been afforded the freedom to evaluate what you're doing in life. See, when I, when I was in college, I knew that if I want to right now, I could pursue full-time ministry. And I saw that the need was a huge need. It was the most important need. And, and I asked the question to God, God, what do you want me to do? God called me to make a move. I changed my major from uh, criminal justice to computer information systems, from computer information systems to pastoral ministry. I said, what is the best, op- how can I set myself up with the best opportunity to serve Jesus full time? And here's, here's what I'm going to say to you today. Some of you, you have that opportunity. And it's not a matter of saying, Jesus, if you'll call me, I'll serve you. Jesus, just come on, ask me. God, pull me out of my seat, God. Why not offer yourself to God for full-time ministry? Jesus is calling you to follow him. You have an opportunity Saul, when he was on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus, and he asked a really great question. He said to God, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? See, the point is, no matter what you're doing now, every Christian must consider what God wants them to do from this day forward. You, you have a choice to make. God, what do you want me to do? Have you asked that question? And beyond asking that question, are you willing to answer the question if he calls? See, because the whole world is set up to teach us that the point of life is to make money, to buy stuff, uh, to retire, to have a good life. It's, it's all about down here. See, it was a career move for these fishermen. And I asked myself, why would, why would someone change careers? That doesn't make sense. They've invested so much time, energy, effort. See, the invitation to follow Jesus isn't simply just a career jump, all right? It is a purpose move. It's a move of choosing a greater purpose in your life. Jesus, I understand, doesn't require every Christian to stop what they're doing and change careers. You understand? I know he doesn't do that. He's not calling everybody to do that, but some he does. But he does call every Christian to stop their current pursuits and chase him, pursue him and his will for their life. He says, follow me, in verse 19, and I will make you fishers of men. He goes up to these fishers, fishermen, and he says to them, guys, something more important in life than fishing. Understand this is great, you make a living doing this, but there's more to it than this. It's about fishing for the souls of men, fishing for men. He says to all of us, there's something more important in life than making money and buying stuff. Have you ever considered that maybe you're on this, they call it the rat race or this track of 
get a job to make money to buy stuff to get a job to make money to buy you're just in this race of for why what's the purpose of it if you are a christian that is your primary calling there's for the doctor you're first a christian doctor there's more to life than healing the body it's about healing the soul and bringing salvation to the lost if you're a lawyer it's more than a lawyer you're a christian lawyer there's more to life than just arguing a case before a jury. It's about helping people have a right standing before the ultimate judge in heaven. If you're a nurse, there's more to life than serving patients. There's a purpose to it. It's about serving God with your whole heart. If you're a salesperson, to which I am proud to have joined the ranks of the salespeople in the past. Anybody here in sales? You're the movers and shakers in business, right? That's what they teach you. Uh, for the salesperson, it's a lot more in life than persuading people to buy stuff. It's about helping people find and follow Jesus. If you're a cable man, there's more to life than helping people get entertainment. It's about helping people see the truth. I just want you to see that you've got to consider not only your career, but your purpose in life. It's more than just making a living. There's more to it than that. It's about following Jesus just like Andrew and just like Peter in this passage and James and John, Jesus is inviting all of us to a life of purpose. And for these men, they came and they made a decision. It was an intentional decision. Can I tell you, you will not follow Jesus on accident. You don't just step into it on, on accident. Oh, I lived a life and I followed Jesus and I made an impact and I fished for men. That's just not how it happens. You have to make an intentional, purposeful decision to follow him. <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 20, they straightway left their nets and followed him. Out of all the people in the world, Jesus picked these men to walk up to and invite them to follow him. They did not delay. They did not wait. And I just want to bring it to a conclusion on this point. God is calling you. He's inviting you to make a move. Now listen, you don't have to. You can continue to do what you want. But he's got this invitation that's greater than anything you could ever do. And I sure hope I could develop a sense of FOMO in your life that you're missing out on God's call if you're not answering. What move is he calling you to make today? Uh, following him meant a putting away of their nets and a following of Jesus. It's, it's an invitation to make a move. But secondly today, it's an invitation to gain by giving. Let me explain. Verse 19 said, follow me. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. <clears throat> Do you think it costs these men something to follow Jesus? Do you think it cost them? Uh, They're fishers, right? They says they left their nets. I don't know how much nets cost. I've never, I don't buy fishing nets. Uh, but that's an investment that they had. They left a career behind, all of the time, energy, money, the atmosphere of being out on the water, the friendships that they had, all that they worked for to be fishermen. The Bible says that they left it and followed him. Uh, this whole world screams at us, uh, especially Disney, <laughs> follow your heart. You know, you hear that before, follow your heart. Hey, pursue your dreams, pursue your passions. That's what life is about. Do it. How many have ever been told that before? Pursue your dreams, your passions, your goals. 
that's when you'll be most fulfilled in life. That is not biblical. The Bible teaches that you'll be most fulfilled in life when you deny yourself of your dreams and see what God has planned for you instead. See, the Bible says they left their nets, their career. They had financial sacrifices, their investment of the fishing equipment, their identity. They, they were fishers. Who were they? they? They were known to be fishermen. We put our identity so much in what we do. When our identity, first of all, is to be found in Christ. They had to leave their family. Fishing was a family business. James and John left their father, Zebedee. It was a financial decision for them. I want to turn your attention to a couple of verses just to help you understand what this means to gain by giving. Because Jesus taught on it. As they followed him on Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus sat down and he taught them. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to look in chapter 6 in verse 19. <clears throat> Jesus says, Matthew 6, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. He was saying there's a perspective change, right, for how we view finances. He goes on to say, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. The teaching here is that following Jesus is an invitation to give some things up. We've got to give up this materialistic, worldly mindset that stuff is gain. That belongings and uh, career aspirations is true gain. That is not what the Bible teaches. And the Bible says that if you are trying to serve money in this whole game of gaining you can't serve Jesus at the same time. They're, they're incompatible. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is teaching later on, and he describes the same thing in just another way. And I want to read that, and then we'll talk about it for a second. <clears throat> Matthew 10, in verse number 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He's saying, I want to be first priority in your life. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. It's about giving up to gain. In Matthew 16, he says it another way. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? This great invitation from Jesus, yes, is an invitation to move, 
they followed him and they left and they, they had to do something. God's calling you to do something, but God is calling you to give up something as well. And here's what it is. The Bible says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. That is the opposite of the teaching of today. Today says, don't deny yourself. Get everything you can. Follow your goals at the exclusion of everyone else. Do what, what you feel you should be doing. And the Bible says the opposite. If you are, are going to follow Christ, you deny yourself. Life is not about you, and life is not about me. And this invitation, it is a great invitation, but it requires us to give up our own plans, our own desires, our own dreams, and that is hard to do. We want what we want. We want to feel what we, we just want to fulfill our own dreams. And the whole world is telling you that's the way you should go. Uh, there's this um, wide path that leads to destruction. Many find it. It's a narrow path which leads to life everlasting. See, God's way isn't the way of the world. It's different. And if he's inviting you to follow him. And he's inviting you to a life of denying yourself. Well, you say, man, that sounds like I'm losing. I'm losing. Why am I losing? I don't, I don't want to give up. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So many of us are seeking the things. We want a great retirement. We want to buy stuff. We love our stuff. We love our guns. We love our electronics. We love our cars. We love our houses. I need more stuff, and I need to leave my stuff at my nice house, and I need to go travel and go on vacations because I need vacations. i got to have vacations. And we think so worldly, we just want more and more and more. And there was this man in the Bible where he, he wanted more and more, and he was a farmer, and he built up his barns. He had these big barns, and the Bible says he filled up his barns. And then he said, oh, my barns are full. i got so much stuff. What am I going to do? Do you know what he did? He said, I'm going to tear down those barns. I'm going to build bigger barns and fill them up. And Jesus said, you're a fool. He said he was rich toward himself, but he wasn't rich toward God. You understand that when you decide to follow Jesus, it's an invitation to gain by giving. You give up yourself. You give up your hold on the stuff of this world. And you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you. See, we have too many people, and I've been there, that are so focused on all the things. You gotta watch your own back, you gotta get all the things. But you've left out the most important thing, and it's following Christ. You may go through this life, and you may have all the stuff that you have ever wanted, and you may fulfill your dreams, but you'll miss your purpose. The way to lose your life in God's values is to keep it for yourself. The way to gain everything is to give it all to Jesus. The way to lose your money is by investing it all in worldly gain. The way to gain everything is by living with an open hand of generosity. We give up, but we gain so much more. You can serve God. You can spend your life walking day by day with Jesus. But if you're going to do that, it's going to require you to give up some things. You give up lesser priorities. You give up career aspirations. You give up sinful habits. The Bible says, let us <clears throat> lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We give up what we hold so dear to, but we gain peace. We gain purpose. We gain Jesus 
Is there an amen to that? We gain rewards in heaven. We gain strength. We gain impact for the kingdom. We gain souls saved. You, you, you may live your life and get plenty of money and have a bunch of stuff, but there will be one day that you will stand before God. What matters after that? What matters 10 minutes after you die? Does it matter how much stuff you got? Does it matter that car you worked so hard to get? Does it matter that career position you held? No, it doesn't. There are different values when you consider eternity. We must give up to gain more. There is more that Jesus wants to give you, and that's part of his great invitation. But thirdly, I want us to see today that there is an invitation to participate by praying. Uh, these men follow Jesus. In, in chapter 4, we, we get to see this journey. They followed him, and they're like walking. They're, they like literally followed him, okay? It's a little bit different than today. They're like following him around and watching him, and he's doing all these things. In chapters 5 through 7, he's, he's teaching all of this stuff. They said he's like one that has authority. He speaks as the one that has authority because he is. He's God. And in, in chapter 8 and chapter 9, they see all these healings. He healed the leper. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. <clears throat> he healed um, a possessed man. These guys got on a boat with Jesus, and it was this crazy storm, and they watched him calm the water on the, uh, on the sea. They watched him go in and eat with publicans and sinners, and they learned from Jesus what his values were, that he cared for people that no one else cared for. And then as we get to chapter 9, we see kind of a parallel if you remember in chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus saw Peter, and he saw Andrew on the, while he was walking by the Sea of Galilee. And the, the thing is, when he saw them, he, he saw them as individuals. The same way he sees us as individuals. He sees our cares. He sees our potential. He sees what we can be when we follow him. But it's not just about the one. It's about the world. We need to understand that. I want you to see what he teaches his disciples in Matthew chapter 9. I want to start in verse 35, and then we'll finish up here today. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. <clears throat> but when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. <coughs> uh, several years ago, I still wore glasses. How many of you are proud glasses-wearing people in here? You're blind? Any blind people in here? All right. <coughs> I remember one of the things I could not stand about having to wear glasses was when I'd wake up in the morning, you can't see anything. Those of you that have great vision have always had it. You take it for granted because when you wake up, I mean, you can't see. You look at the clock, you don't know what time it is. And if your glasses aren't in the right spot, you're not going to find them. Uh, you, it's hard because you can't see. Everything's blurry. Your vision is not clear. Uh, we had an opportunity. Uh, you can show the picture. We had an opportunity several years ago, myself, Pastor Dave, Pastor Tony. Uh, we found this doctor in Dayton who would give free LASIK surgery to pastors. Amen. Who's called to ministry now? Right? Listen, 
they, they put us on this list. We, we waited a year and a half, and then they called us up, and they said, your time is up. You're, it's time for you to get your surgery. We went in, put these metal things all on our eyes, and then lasered our eyes all up, whatever they do. And we had LASIK surgery. And that day, I could see. It was amazing because now when I wake up in the morning, I can see everything so clear. I look over, I see the clock. It was just crazy. One of the first things they have you do after you get surgery, as soon as you sit up, he said, look over there on the wall. What time is it? And they had me look at a clock. And I could see so clearly. Uh, One of the best things about getting your vision back is uh, when you go outside and you see the trees. The trees aren't just like these fuzzy things out there, you know. For those of you that wear glasses or you, you just can't see very well, uh, they're, they're, you take your glasses off, they're just fuzzy. They're just these blurry things. I can see every leaf on the tree. I can see the outline of I can see everything in detail. When Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw individuals. He saw what they could become. He saw the need to invite them to follow him. He he wanted them. He pursued them. But in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus came and he saw the multitude. And the Bible says when he saw them, he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We need to get some spiritual LASIK surgery, okay? Because he, he's inviting us as he's inviting his disciples to see the way he sees. We need to understand there's a multitude out there that don't know what we know. When I was in college and I, I, was in, I had not yet made the decision to go into ministry, I had a friend of mine, his name was Dale, and Dale was like the nicest guy ever. And I remember Dale, and he was just so happy. He always had a smile on his face, Dale, and hey, Chris, you want to go? And they did this thing back then, okay, way back then. It's called Door to Door. How do you remember that? I know this church remembers that. Door to door. And we would go, <clears throat> we would go up to the door, knock on the door. And we would talk to people for a little bit, get to know them. But we would actually talk to them out of the blue about their spiritual condition. We would say, if you died today, are you 100% sure you know you would go to heaven? And, and this, was the, this is the way we did it and in school. We would go door to door, door to door. It became overwhelming for me because as we went from door to door to door to door to door, there were people that I talked to that didn't go to church. They didn't know Jesus as their Savior. And man, if I, if I believe what this Bible teaches, they are lost and on their way to hell. Do you understand that? They were like Jesus saying, as sheep with no shepherd. They, they're just lost out there. They, and I needed to see them. And God used that opportunity for me to get a vision of the need, a vision of the need. In, in verse number 37, listen what the call is to the disciples. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus calls us, and he says, here's what I want you to do, followers. I want you to participate by praying. I want you to ask God, Lord of the harvest, 
I pray, I'm asking God that you would send laborers into your harvest field. Now, let me ask you, we all have these harvest fields around us. Uh, We all have neighbors, right? You live in a neighborhood, probably. You have an apartment complex. When was the last time that you prayed to God, looked around, and you saw? And you said, God, I pray you'd send a laborer to my neighbor. I pray you'd send a laborer to my apartment complex. Many of you see where I'm going with this. Jesus calls us to pray for laborers. When we, we have this neighborhood across the street here. We got to know it a lot this year. Uh, it's called Blacklick Estates. I didn't know much about it until we began to get involved. But we have neighbors over there that don't know Jesus. They're lost. They're just going through life without any hope, without peace. No peace with God. Trouble in their relationships. No hope of heaven. No hope for eternity. When was the last time you prayed? Jesus says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. When was the last time you prayed, God, send laborers to our neighbors across the street in Blacklick Estates? Have you ever prayed that before? When you hear some, somebody come in, you got Calvin here. He's up here smiling, looking nice, talking about the Philippines. Sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other. We don't see the multitude of people in the Philippines that don't know. When was the last time you prayed, God, send laborers into the harvest field in the Philippines? Now, here's something that, that we just, we're, I'm just bringing this to a point. Here's something that happens. Because when you start praying, Lord, send someone to my neighbor, do you know what he's going to do? He's going to send you. And we don't want to pray that prayer. But when you get this invitation to follow Jesus, It is an invitation to move. He says, follow me, follow me, follow me. And you start following him and walking with him and your life is changing. And he starts talking about how, oh, you've got to deny yourself and give up, but he's going to give you so much more. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. You start experiencing that. But he calls you to pray for laborers. And the thing is, when you start praying for laborers, there's a really good chance He's going to thrust you into his harvest field. 